Welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Podbeam, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. Well, I'm Pastor Ben. It's my privilege this morning to continue our sermon series. And we're in the midst of a sermon series called More Conversations with Jesus. And the idea is, is very simple, but it's pretty powerful. You guys actually have the opportunity to share your questions that you would ask Jesus if Jesus was sitting across the table from you, right? If Jesus was sitting with you, what is the thing sitting in your heart, the question you've always wanted to ask that you have never had the opportunity to ask? And so during the sermon series, what we've been doing is taking your questions and then we match it with God's word, which is always eternal and relevant. No matter what time, no matter what generation, we match that truth with your question and we share it with you as if Jesus is answering it for you. Now, if you're thinking, I haven't turned in my question, I still really want to, don't worry, we still have time. So all you have to do is take that connection card, or if you're online, you can email us or call us, or even if you think about it during the week, some people have mailed in questions, some people call the office, whatever you want to do, share your question, because we really want to serve you well. And if there is a definite direction where a lot of you guys are wondering the same thing, the best thing that we can do as pastors is to go in that direction to care for you. And so please continue to turn in your questions all throughout this sermon series, and we'll do our best to answer them. But today, as we move into the second part of this sermon series, we're encountering a very difficult question that you guys have proposed. And, and the question is this, why can I not have kids when there are so many kids born into abusive families? Now, obviously, that's an incredibly challenging question, a very emotionally heavy question, and probably a very real reality that either we've experienced personally or someone we know intimately has experienced. And so as we step into this question, I actually need to tell you a story or actually bring you into a story. So I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine that you're walking with your spouse. Now, if you're not married, just look into the future or, or whatever that looks like for you, right? Just dream with me a little bit. You're walking with your spouse and you're walking past an outdoor cafe. Now that shouldn't be that hard to imagine because literally every restaurant right now is an outdoor cafe, but you're walking past and as you're walking past, your wife says to you, did you see that? That guy looks exactly like Jesus. To which of course, the first thing you respond to is what? But when you hear her say, it looks just like Jesus, of course, you snap your head around and you look. And that's when it gets awkward. Because that Jesus lookalike is looking right at you. And it reminds you of every time you've been driving your truck and you get to the stoplight and you look into that person's car and they're looking back at you and you don't really know what to do and you kind of panic. So you just kind of wave at people you don't actually know and they wave back and you kind of move on. But this time you have that same response and you see this Jesus character and you wave, but he doesn't wave back. He actually waves you over. Now everything in your being says run, right? Run away. 
but you were born in the Midwest and your mom taught you how to behave. And so everything says run, but your heart says, well, I've got to go. You make your way over and you sit down. And as you and your wife sit down, she breaks the silence and says, do you know that you look just like? And he responds, Jesus? Yeah, I get that a lot. At least that's what most Americans call me. When I was doing ministry, people would call me different things depending on on where I was. Some people would call me Yeshua. Some people would call me Joshua. And those I taught personally, well, they just called me rabbi. Now, as you sit there and process this statement, you're thinking through all the ramifications of, is this actually Jesus? And this very real Jesus breaks the silence and he says, why do you look so tired? Now, you don't have time to be offended, which is the normal response to that question, by the way. You just respond. And you say, well, work is hectic, and and with this whole COVID-19 business, life is just really, really tough. And we're not even talking about the political climate that we're in right now, which we don't even want to talk about that, right? Life is just hard. And after a bit of silence, Jesus speaks again, but this time with a more empathetic tone. He says, why are you so tired? Moments pass, and and finally the frustration outweighs the shame, and your wife blurts out, I'm tired of everyone else having kids, but we can't. And she begins to cry. You take over, and you say, we would be great parents. We are kind and compassionate. We love Jesus. We serve. We go to church. But every time we have tried, it's never worked out. And what makes matters worse is that we look all around our community and we see kids growing up in abusive homes. With nothing to lose, your wife composed herself enough to say under clenched teeth, why won't you do anything? And Jesus, after letting the emotion sit in the air for a while, began, as no surprise, to tell a story. And this is the story that he told. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. Well, today, like this couple, we step into a story not originally told to us, but a story told about 2,000 years ago to a large crowd with words that still have relevance today. And in this crowd, just like our crowd today, whether it's in person or online, there's all types of people. People who love Jesus, people who don't like Jesus, people who are wondering about Jesus, people who are in the middle and everywhere in between. So as was his custom, Jesus did for our crowd today what he did for the crowds back then. Right? He told a story. He told a story because stories stick. Stories have power because stories stick with us and they go from our head to our heart. So he begins this story by introducing the plot line. He talks about a sheepfold. Now, a sheepfold is a place where you protect the sheep from all types of predators. And in that day, oftentimes it was a cave or sometimes it was just a rock wall that they had built up to protect the sheep for anyone who wasn't supposed to get in, thus keeping out all the thieves and bandits who might take the sheep. 
So Jesus continues with this story. This is what he says next. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. So introduces, Jesus introduces to us a new character, the shepherd. The shepherd, of course, enters by the gate because that is what the gate is for. If you were trying to climb over the wall or break in a different way, that's a fairly good indicator that uh, he was up to no good, which is why one day when I still lived in Minnesota, I saw this guy prying open my neighbor's window and then climbing through, and I called the cops on her brother. Because if you are the owner of the house, the regular course of action is to go through the gate. So this is what we'd expect to see in the story, right? This is what Jesus says. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. What we'd expect to see is what we'd experience in life, right? When we have recognition, we do the normal things. The gatekeeper knows the shepherd. The sheep know the shepherd. There's all this recognition happening. In fact, we all know this because if you have a dog or know somebody who has a dog, we, we realize this, right? If you own a dog, the dog will come to you, will not be scared of you, hopefully, and it will listen to you, right? You can tell pretty quickly whether a dog knows somebody or if they're their owner or not. In the same way, Sheep are the same, right? They recognize the voice or they don't recognize the voice. They recognize the smell or they don't. They recognize the look or they don't. So this is what the shepherd does. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. And this is where Christ's story takes on a rich metaphor. And not just any metaphor, but a metaphor with very sharp teeth. You see, in that day, shepherds would lead from the front and the sheep would simply follow the one they knew. They would follow the voice. Now, this is very different than how we would probably lead them or even think to lead them, right? You probably think when you're guiding an animal that you actually lead from the back. Right, you push them forward, maybe you have some, some dogs or a horse or something like that, maybe an ATV, right? You're, you drive the animals forward. But this is why this metaphor is so beautiful because this is exactly how Christ leads us, right? This is Christ's invitation. And of course, it definitely has some leadership principles built into it. But Christ's invitation is this, come follow me, right? That's the invitation offered to all of humanity from, from Jesus, He does not push us, he just leads the way. And we simply follow and get the benefits or we choose to go our own way and we receive the natural negative consequences connected to it. Well, this very real life and real historical story moves on. And this is what John writes. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Now, Today, we're kind of cheating, right? You're kind of using me and we're using each other to kind of work through this story piece by piece by piece so we can best use it for our life. And so we kind of have a cheat sheet going. But imagine Jesus teaching this for the first time and you're there. You'd probably feel pretty lost and confused by what he's actually trying to communicate. In fact, maybe right now you're still feeling that sense, even though we're working through it together. You're thinking, 
I don't know really where he's going or what he's trying to teach me today. But the reality is these people that Jesus was talking to were lost, right? And so Jesus, being a good teacher, doesn't want to leave them lost. He doesn't want to leave you lost. He wants you to understand. He wants no one left behind. And so he begins to clarify. This is what he says. So again, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. So Jesus begins to clarify, but doesn't it kind of catch you off guard? Because don't you expect him to say something just a little bit different? If you're like me, you probably expect him to say, I am the shepherd, which is true and it has its own spiritual truth. But Jesus points us in a unique direction, maybe a fresh direction. And he says, I am the gate. Now, what's the purpose of the gate? The bottom line is it keeps the flock safe. So Jesus is saying his role is to keep us safe, to protect us. But how about the alternative? Well, this is what he says next. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. So in this moment, now he's talking about something else, right? Something nefarious. He's talking about false teachers, teachers, preachers, those writing books, right? Those who are influencing people who are not motivated by what they can give, but simply by what they can get. And this was true in Christ's day, and it's still true in our day today. We still have teachers, preachers, and book writers not motivated by what they can give you, but by what they can get from you. Unfortunately, people's sinful nature is in full effect, and they spend a lot of time trying to get instead of give. So Jesus begins to set up a contrast. This is what he says. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The bottom line that we see about Jesus is that he is for you, right? He wants to protect you and care for you. That is what he wants to do. That is his role. However, this is what we see. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. In contrast, the thief has the exact opposite intentions. He doesn't want to protect you. He doesn't want to care for you. No, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But this is where, once again, Jesus comes through. This is how he closes. But I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. So we see that Jesus comes not only to protect you, but to give you life. Jesus is pro-life, right? He is pro-you. No matter what you've done or who you are or what your laundry list of mistakes have been, right? No matter how many times the cops have pulled you out of your car and taken you someplace, no matter what has happened in your life, Jesus is for you. Now, of course, what this does not mean, just to be clear, is that we will automatically have health, wealth, and prosperity. Uh, that's taught by teachers who write books to try to get to your life savings. However, Jesus, his words are recorded not to take from you, but to save you and to give to you and ultimately save your life. So I need you to take you back to the diner. Once again, you're with Jesus. You're with your spouse. You're having this very intimate and challenging conversation. He's just told you the story. 
And now he asks you this question. What did you hear? Now, your wife, who's a, a far better student than you, very astute, she says, well, there are two forces at work, right? There's good and there's evil. And Jesus responds, exactly. And what do they do? And this is where you, the husband, you step in. You, you can do this one, right? You got this. Well, there's the thief, and he's here to steal, kill, and destroy. But the shepherd, or the gate, is to protect and give life. At your correct responses, Jesus begins to speak directly to your wounded heart and soul. And he says, stealing, killing, and destruction. You have felt these things, haven't you? And you both nod. This is what you felt when you lost that child. This is what you felt when other people abused their special gift that God had given them but hadn't given you. This is what it looked like when your friend's son died far too soon. Death and destruction. So Jesus asks, but who am I? And you respond, well, you are the gate. Yes. And what does the gate do? Once again, you respond, it protects and it gives life. Exactly. Emotional, physical, and spiritual life. And Jesus continues, and now I'm going to give you this life, but I'm not going to tell you how. You will simply have to trust me and experience it along your journey. You see, I have placed the desire for parenthood on your hearts, and I'm going to answer that but I'm going to do it in one of five ways. Now, I might give you a miracle child, so don't stop praying for what you want. But I might use modern medicine and the wisdom that I've given to medical professionals. And as scary and as risky as this sounds, I might even prompt you to adopt a child just like I once adopted you. Or I might use your time, talents, to mentor countless kids through teaching, coaching, and caring. And these kids, these very kids that you're caring for will begin to see you as a parent. You see, someday I will bring my complete restoration. But in the meantime, right now through your life, I want you to reflect this restoration on this side of heaven.